Hello, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Franklin Lewis, a news writer with the Daily Emerald. Welcome to Season 3 of Spotlight on Science. In this series, members of the University of Oregon's science community sit down and talk about their research and current events in their field in a language that we can all understand. Today, we have two guests on the program from the Students for Global Health Club, Grant Clausen and Zoe Cameron. We touched on a variety of topics, including the club's origins, why the moniker Global Health is controversial in its own right, and why our guests are somewhat pessimistic about the future of global health. Let's get to it. Well, Grant, uh, Zoe, thank you so much for for being here today. Um, Really appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk about some global health stuff with you guys, because I feel like even though it's a... um, you know, it's obviously a very worldly issue. It sometimes doesn't get talked about a lot, which is um, which is, so it's important to talk about, definitely. Um, so obviously you guys are part of the um, Students for Global Health Club, um, and you guys do some fundraising efforts to try to raise and raise awareness about these um, kind of health injustices, if that's how I'm going to call it. Um, let's start with like who founded the club and maybe why was it established in the first place? I think about 12 years ago, maybe more than that. There was a group of kids that founded it um, with kind of a different mission than what we have right now. I think they just kind of threw big like fundraising events like concerts, benefit concerts, stuff like that. Mm. Didn't do a lot of education and it was a small group of kids. Um, And then probably six or seven years ago, maybe even more recent than that, the club kind of died down Mm -hmm. and almost kind of went away from campus. And then there was a Mm. group of kids... Um, that picked it back up and then joined forces with Partners in Health, okay. a really big, like, worldwide global health oh, organization. Sure, sure, yeah. 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 They're based on the East Coast. Yeah. Paul Farmer started it. Some people might be familiar with it. And so that got them some more credibility, and then they kind of changed path of where they wanted to go with the club mm-hmm. to be more of, like, an educational thing and bring this global health community to the UVA. Sure. And then from there is kind of where we jumped on board. I joined my freshman year. I think she joined her sophomore year. I joined year. my sophomore year. Winter yeah. Term. Now it's it's evolved into this community where we're working with faculty now and working between other schools um, and working pretty heavily on education for our campus and just the community. Now it's a minor here as well. So. Oh, yeah. I think what's really cool about it, though, is that everything with the minor was student-driven. It was, I believe, Alyssa Hardin and Jade Young who really spearheaded that project and they came to the faculty and they said this is what the students want Mm. and there isn't more than a concentration we want a major we want a minor and so in the past couple of years the first cohort actually of the global health minor graduated wow Um, that's really exciting mm -hmm, which is really great and if anyone's interested they should definitely apply is the global health is that minor is it through what like major is it through is it in is it through any kind of international studies department okay Mm -hmm. got it but they, they purposely made the minor to be super open-ended since global health is such a an, like a general yeah. topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they gave people a lot of autonomy and what type of classes they want to take, what they want to do for their field work and stuff like that. So really anybody with any background can join the minor and kind of tweak it to what they want it to be. 
Yeah, because I feel like you could be you could do a lot of kind of science work with it, but you could also you know as sometimes you're doing in the club, I guess too is more like raising awareness or just fundraising or just um, even I could see even a media like kind of yeah spin on it too. Uh, I mean, I knew that existed, but I didn't know you guys had a really big impact on that. What does an average global health club meeting look like? So Tessa Kehoe is our executive director right now, and she begins with a kind of announcements going around. Grant and I are the events directors, so we kind of give a little spiel on what is going on around campus and the greater Eugene community area, and then we do current events. So it's a really great way for students and members to kind of gather in small groups and talk about current events that are going on in the global health community. And then we start in with a check-in question, which is my favorite part. It's usually just a random check-in question. Hmm. Um, and everyone gets to participate that way. And then we really delve into the meeting. And it's um, each member that is on the board is responsible for presenting for a meeting. So we each take responsibility for that. Right now, we're trying to push for members to give presentations at meetings. So I remember I presented on vaccination practices in Lane County. Grant talked about how global health really just came to be a field within itself um, with his experience in Ghana this past summer. Mm. Um, And then Tessa talked about maternal mortality rates and that issue that has spanned to most of the global South right now and how the United States is also affected by it. So really any of the topics, um, there's a huge diverse range. And I think we really push for it to be interdisciplinary. Um, We don't just have human physiology majors, pre-med majors, and we really try to emphasize that anyone and everyone should join if they want to. Yeah. That was one of my questions. Like what, what's kind of the, the, the base of the group? Like, is it mostly science people or is it, is it really just kind of all over the place? Kind of both right now. I think it's, uh, mostly science people, but that's definitely not necessarily been the case in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully won't be in the future. Um, we have people from a ton of different departments and a ton of different majors and backgrounds, um, which is something we really try to keep in mind when creating our meetings and all the events we do. Um, we know not everybody is pre-health or interested in medicine or healthcare per se, but mm-hmm. um, so we focus a lot on public health type stuff, which could be attainable from any field since it's also intertwined. And so um, I would say we we do keep in mind for all of our topics to be accessible to anyone, regardless of backgrounds, and then try to pull from as many different areas as possible in discussion and the way mm-hmm. we handle topics so we can get the most holistic discussion um, and then move forward from there and trying to figure out how we can enact change on campus or in our community ourselves. Yeah. And, and maybe talk a little bit about that scope of your fundraising. I mean, is it mostly for local stuff or is it, are you kind of fundraising for stuff that's even uh, international or, or national? Mm-hmm. We do a little bit of both. Um, fundraising is used to be a way bigger part of our club. Now we've kind of steered away from it and focus more on, on education and preventative efforts. Right. Um, we help some organizations fundraise. Um, we do some work with food for Lane County. Um, we do some work with the Rosie center. Um, and then we do some fundraising for partners in health, that organization I alluded Mm -hmm. to earlier. Right. And then recently we just did a bunch of fundraising for this, um, organization in Uganda, to try to get them a motorcycle ambulance for like hmm. places with tough terrain where cars can't drive on it. We do a bunch of stuff all over yeah. the board and we try to change it every year depending on what's going on in the world and whatnot. Like kind of change the, the causes you're kind of going for. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. And what members are passionate about. So right. Yeah. We, we 
try to give the members a lot of voice in what they want to do or what they want to see in the club right. and then go from there. And we try to really get member involvement going. I mean, some past events we've had, we do um, this event called Strides in Solidarity each spring term, and it's a 5K, and anyone can participate, whether you're a student, member, faculty, greater community. And what we do is we raise money for Partners in Health um, initiative for that year. So they each year they choose one specific topic that they want to really fundraise for. And so each chapter within Partners in Health across the states is able to participate and then fundraise money for that. Um, in the past, we've also done Menstrual Health Week, which is probably one of my favorite events that we put on. Um, it's a week in, is it in May? Uh, uh, yeah, late May. It's in late May. And we raise awareness for menstrual health and we kind of give fun facts as we table throughout the day, um, really try to engage conversation and break that stigma because it's something that I think we really need to be talking about more. Um, and then we also had a benefit concert two years ago in the spring um, where we got local Eugene bands to mm. come play at a house, and that's where we raised the money for the KFO organization. Mm. So trying to get as much member involvement as possible, but also trying to play to their interests and tailor what we do um, to what they want to see. Hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't know you guys put on like concerts and stuff. That's a, that's really cool. Um, the, uh, what, what, I mean, just out of curiosity, what bands were, were there? Um, Spiller and the Illiquips. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've heard yeah, of the Illiquips. Yeah. I think there was five total bands there. So there's, um, a, a few more, but yeah, it was two years ago. So it's slipping my mind. Yeah. But yeah. Thank you to all the bands that came and played Thank for free. Thank you so much. That was really cool. And they were really, really, uh, they adapted to the rain. It was supposed to be sunny that day, and then we had to actually move everything inside because oh. it started raining and yeah. windstorm. So, Oh, my God. Um, we had a great turnout. I mean, we had people from Eugene coming in, which was really, really great. Yeah. Um, and then we had a huge raffle actually that went on throughout and so that's that way we incorporated local businesses um try to plug them as well yeah yeah there was like 28 businesses so i don't know if i'd be able to plug them all but um yeah they they were awesome um they all donated stuff for free to us and um helped us raise a bunch of money so yeah, we sold a few hundred tickets to a few hundred people there. It was great. That's fantastic. Now, why did each of you personally join the club and kind of maybe like what was going on in your life? I was a sophomore and I didn't really feel involved at all. And I kind of had that pre-med angst where I said, you know, I need to get more involved. I need to do stuff to boost my resume. And I actually stumbled upon um, Students for Global Health, my friend Riley Schaefer, who's really involved in the Center for Global Health right now. She dragged me to a meeting and she said, hey, you're going to really like this. And I said, all right, I'll give it a try. So um, I think Nikki actually from the Peace Corps was presenting that mm. night and it was here in Allen. And she talked about going abroad and doing work abroad. And um, it kind of gave me a new insight as to what I could do in terms of a career path where it, it doesn't just have to be medical school. There's so many different routes you can take in the healthcare field um, and I was hooked. I, I really liked the people and I liked that education and awareness was their main mission other than, I mean, you knew everyone was there just because they wanted to be there. It wasn't 
another resume booster. Everyone felt genuine. It was very genuine. It was very wholesome. And I really liked the vibe that I got from everyone. And so I just ended up going to every meeting after that. Um, I was kind of the other way. It was the (laughs) winter, I think, of my freshman year. I was in like seven other clubs and volunteering at like two different places every week and just kind of like loving the new college atmosphere with all this opportunity and whatnot. And, um, I was learning so much. I was, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for my career path Mm -hmm. or what I was passionate about. And so I was, I was just kind of, I guess, on a mission to figure that out. And then coming to this club, I remember that was when Alyssa, the, um, the girl we talked about earlier who mm. played a big role in kind of reviving the club. She was presenting and I just remember, yeah, just like Zoe said, there was just like this discussion that was really captivating that seemed more genuine and purposeful than a lot of the other stuff I was doing. It was so full of all of these different perspectives um, that I had never been exposed to. And so I, I saw it as an opportunity where I could learn a ton more so than any of the other stuff I was involved in. Mm. Um and yeah, a lot of the a lot of the topics we discussed just really resonated with me, and so I was fortunate enough to get super involved in it, and still. Do I mean, that you today. said you were looking for a career path too. I mean, have you have you found a career path in this in this global health like kind of sphere? Mm-hmm. I guess that changes about every six months. Yeah, that right. <laughs> um, yeah, but yes, definitely something in that sphere of things. Um, right now, I'm more focused on public health, but. Um, the club's been really awesome in exposing us to a bunch of different options sure. and a bunch of different professionals, um, whether it be through different universities or academic institutions or just other organizations doing work around the world or locally. So, um, yeah, it, it's changing all the time depending on what I feel passionate yeah. about. And so, um, but that's great. I, I love that. That's what the club brings for me. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I you know you mentioned that you have some like great speakers that come in too. I mean, what are some of the recent people who have come and spoke? Um, we have some faculty from all different departments of the university come in and speak, which is always really excellent um, and really engaging in a good way for kids to network in our club. Um, we have people from Eugene organizations like Food for Lane County, Mobility International, um, Peace Corps. Peace Corps, yeah. Mm. I'm probably forgetting a ton. Um, Partners in Health. But um, really anything and everything oh, beyond toxics. Yes. Um, it it changes all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. Changes yeah. Love, so. yeah. Um, uh, I think the best kind of set of speakers we had was for the Western Regional Global Health Conference that we had this past spring that our club on behalf of also the Center for Global Health at the University of Washington and here at the U of O um, put on last spring. And um, the theme for that was women as change makers in the field of global health. And so we had a lot of um, female speakers come in and share their experience within the global health field. And we had, I think, four different panels that um, one was on menstrual health, one was on adverse childhood experiences, um, I personally invited Dr. Barbara Mossberg to <laughs> speak about literature as a means of expanding the field of global health. So, um, I think we've heard from so many different speakers at this point that it's, it really it's hard to even keep track of almost. Yeah. yeah. But it was great. Um, I love hearing from every single one of them and they do bring a different perspective 
um, yeah. and gets you really thinking like, why, why do we do the things we do in global health? Why, what are the different little facets and niches that we can all kind of find our place in? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've been, uh, talking about global health and been throwing this term around, I guess, but we should probably stop and kind of maybe like define it a little bit at some point. Absolutely. Um, yes. Maybe um, you can use maybe like a current example of something in global health, but what's kind of, what is this global health? I'm using air quotes, but yeah. what is that thing we are talking about? So global health um, is a term I'm actually not a huge fan of. And a lot of people in academics aren't a huge fan of mm. because it's kind of evolved right as globalization has come about. Yeah. And so it's typically associated with just like helping sick people in Africa and has gone hand in hand in like academic literature with a lot of pretty awful stuff hmm. where it's been a lot of like um, problematic foreign aid and other stuff hmm. that has hurt a lot more people than it has helped hmm. um, in many instances. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty it, concurrent with colonialism as well. It's mm. it's um, something that is also misleading since there's maybe only one or so issues that's really an actual global health issue and climate change. And so it's it's not a great term <laughs> in yeah. my mind, but it's it's popular right now and kind of used more as like a marketing strategy. And so. I think it's, sometimes the best terms don't necessarily yeah. stick. It's the it's the ones that are just convenient. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think international health is is probably a, a more precise and better term that um, doesn't have such a, a awful association with it. Mm-hmm. But global health, I think, is what people are more familiar with, and so that's why so many programs nowadays are labeled with global health, and why our clubs labeled with global health because. Um, International health, I think, seems maybe a little more intimidating for people who aren't familiar with the field. So, um, yeah. and I mean, like recent literature has tried to go about and define exactly what global health is, but there are some problems within that. Um, I think the latest definition I saw is the mental, physical, uh, social well-being of an of every individual. Hmm. Um, and it underlying socioeconomic inequalities and um, healthcare deficits, and it's it's a really long definition because, yeah. as Grant said, it's such a big field and it's kind of vague actually when you think about it. And I think that a lot of people associate it with medical field, um, yeah. but it's it's more than just medical. Um, and even that definition, like well-being is such like a ambiguous term and right they yeah. just and even even though they try to make it broad it doesn't encapsulate nearly enough for what's going on and so um yeah it's i think it's mostly centered around public health but that encapsulates every single field and and everybody's decision so it's super broad it's really whatever you want it to be mm-hmm. um right now i think a lot of big global health issues have to do with the refugee crisis or mm. uh, climate change, of course. And so um, it it varies whichever area you're in and whoever yeah. you're talking to um, and with different perspectives. So it's hard to really define. It's probably not something you can really define, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and each person will have their own definition of what it means to them mm. because there are certain people that work in different fields within global health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's like all interconnected though, too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's like there's different people doing different jobs and then sometimes the same people doing different jobs in a way, if that makes any sense. I mean, I guess it's a, it's a coordinated effort from sometimes maybe uncoordinated like people, maybe. I don't know if that's yeah. the right way of characterizing it, but um, what's a, what's kind of maybe like a recent development? It can be like either medical or something with um, some kind of uh, outreach method um, that you guys have heard about recently that, that you, it kind of um, excites you or might kind of address one of these issues that you're, you're talking about. I think right now, uh, it's the 40th anniversary of the Alma Ata this year, mm. which was a conference that called for universal health care. So mm. health care for every single person in the world, mm. adequate quality health care. And I think that was largely lost. There was not a lot of change that came about that. Uh, that goal was largely failed um, in the past 40 years. And so I think this year especially, what's exciting to me is that there's starting to be a really big push and broadening our umbrellas of healthcare reach and access globally. And so right now the biggest drive I see is for including more people in healthcare plans and outreach efforts and trying to spread out health inequality and, and health disparity where we we were so focused on certain populations and, and certain groups that, right, and right. everything we were doing was exclusive to so many people that I think now that's starting to be largely realized and researched and hopefully acted upon. So, Well, sometimes it's hard to have those, you know, big coordinated efforts when everyone's focusing on just like individual communities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the real, like the real geniuses can kind of like string together those smaller efforts into like a, you know, a more like comprehensive, um, strategy, I guess, for kind of getting, getting out healthcare to everyone. Um, and it's obviously all this is like easier said than done. I mean, there's so many like logistical hurdles you have to like get through for all this stuff. I think the biggest one is funding. Yeah. Well, I, I would, yeah, that is something that the global health field has really struggled with what you're saying with dealing with all these specific issues in these different areas, which is really logistically impossible to reach all of that and help all of that. And there's definitely not enough funding since it's not a super profitable field mm-hmm. for most people or most organizations because can, I mean, can it be profitable? Um, it, well, it shouldn't be profitable. Yeah. It be at all. It, yeah. I think a lot of people are trying to steer it to be profitable, which is in my opinion, the, the worst direction to go to, but it's necessary for a lot of the ways we operate, which is kind of the point I was just going to make is that I was listening to a professor talk and he was talking about how, a lot of global health work is like standing next to a stream and seeing all of these people drowning in this stream and then pulling them out of the stream one by one and keep saving them, um, but never addressing the issue that's causing them to fall into the stream or mm. the reason why they're all drowning in the first place, which in a lot of cases is like a neoclassic society or economic structure where it breeds income inequality and it breeds health disparities and anything that's not egalitarian minded. So people end up inevitably with all of these issues and it's impossible to combat them all or to treat them all. If you don't address the the core issue, which is this really big, broad, tough to change thing and the way we view how we should run a society and what a successful society looks like. And so, well, then also, like, if you figure out the root of the problem, how do you go to a room of people with big pockets and say, 
this is what we need the money for. How do you convince mm. them to fund something that they don't, A, don't really know about, B, have never experienced themselves? And I think that is where the awareness comes in. I mean, it's difficult to pinpoint through to the problem, but I think also starting by outreach and awareness right now is like the biggest thing we can do. And I think there's only so much you can do, though, on that front. I would disagree. I think that in itself is part of the problem where there's not enough. Well, no, people, the way we're handling this is donation based or funded based. And people are looking for like the highest return on their donations or their funds. And which is such a tough way to look at things. Like if we're thinking about this as like the biggest return we can get on donations and relying on these foreign donations um, and foreign aid, then that's not a sustainable solution for anyone. And that's not going to be the most effective solution for actually helping people and also leads to exclusive programs that are maybe just helping one big issue, but that big issue might be a just a, a small piece of the puzzle for the greater puzzle, even though it's the biggest piece of the puzzle. Um, so or as you said, it might be addressing like the people drowning. It's like you're just, you're just like getting really good at pulling them out of the water, but you're still not addressing the core issue perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So like HIV is a good example of that where there's so much money that's been poured to HIV Mm -hmm. and HIV AIDS, like research and work and aid around the world, where that is a really big issue. But for a lot of foreign intervention and a lot of global health work, that's what they go into these communities working with, where there are so many other things killing so many more people and inhibiting so many more people's quality of life that it's, it's I don't want to say trivial, but it's just not really helping or doing any good. And yeah. so... Yeah, I, a it's, lot of people, it's a complex issue, like you were saying. It, it mm -hmm. is really complex, and I think also a lot of the funding goes to those diseases that really, like you said, HIV. It's killed so many people, and I mean, we went over to Professor Janice Weeks' um, house a couple of weeks ago, um, and she talked about these tropical diseases that go relatively undetected by foreign aid just because they are not technically killing anyone, mm. but they are also completely hindering quality of life right. i mean they're they're the volume of people that have these sort of what did she call them Und neglected tropical neglected diseases. tropical yeah. diseases um i mean there are kids with swollen bellies who will probably live that way for years and years to come and they don't get the help that they need just because people don't think it's important enough which is something that needs to be changed. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys hit on a, one of the, I think the largest issues in like healthcare is that's kind of just been overlooked is this whole kind of like, you know, I think all these like, you know, big biotech companies are looking for these like silver bullets to cure these kind of big diseases. And meanwhile, like the patients who have these diseases, they don't get any care because people are just looking for the cure, which might never happen in a lot of these cases because these diseases are so complex. Like I, for example, like Parkinson's patients, a lot of times they complain that there's not enough just care for them during their lifespan. Yeah. Um, there's all this research and money being put into a cure, but how about something to just let them cope with some of the symptoms while they're still alive? Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a huge issue. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a result of a failing healthcare system for sure. Mm -hmm. And TB is a, a really good example of that too, where it's something that it's one of the most infectious diseases in the world. And we have a cure and have had a cure since the 80s, I believe. So mm -hmm. it should be something that should be 
eradicated pretty much. Yeah. But now it's not something that is drawing a bunch of funding or a bunch of work. And so it's kind of blown out of proportion again. And now huh. we've developed this multi-drug resistant TB that's a way worse issue that's yeah. not necessarily going to be yeah. curable. And so that's a result of kind of that like ignorance and brevity and the way we think about global health issues and like where we pour our focus rather than pouring our focus into a, like a holistic scheme or a, a f- like far reaching healthcare system that can prevent a lot of these things because that's maybe not necessarily profitable and not glorious for a lot of people and a lot of people where this money's coming from. So it's not the priority. And so that's something that needs to be changed. Yeah. And now we've been pretty negative on, I feel like so far, um, <laughs> I mean, what's something positive that people can can look for? Um, and m- maybe are you generally optimistic about the future of, um, I will say, international health? I would, even though this is supposed to be a, a happier segment, I would say I'm not generally that optimistic. You can be not optimistic, <laughs> maybe, but give, give the people like a little nugget uh, they can hold on to. Yeah. Um, I'm not optimistic either in terms of that. I think there's still so much work that needs to be done, but I think... What the coolest thing was for me, um, I actually went with our education chair, Logan Myers, um, two summers ago to the Partners in Health Training Institute. And just being in a room of about 200 college students who are all working toward one cause. I mean, it's right. Yeah, it's really cool to be because, I mean, over here you have students for global health. And a lot of the time you say, oh, well, I'm in students for global health. And people go, what is that? Um, Mm. And so I think right now the coolest thing is just so many people are passionate about it and are becoming more and more passionate about it as they learn about it Um, and that we are raising awareness. I mean, two years ago, I had no idea what this field was, and now I do. Um, And it brought me to other people who are just as passionate about it. Um, But Grant probably has a different take. Um, (laughs) No, not necessarily. I I think a really exciting aspect – now that probably spans further than just global health is like Zoe was saying that um, there's a big new progressive push and a lot of new whistleblowers that are kind of calling out these big global health organizations like the Gates Foundation and the World Health Organization and the World Bank, etc. for how problematic a lot of their policies are and how exclusive it is and how not sustainable all of it is. And so I think as that becomes more and more public and there's this new progressive wave starts to move into the workforce out of like education systems um, and a lot of the old conservative power begins to retire and kind of, um, uh, yeah, come out of the field, I guess. I think we'll start to turn in a better direction. But uh, yeah, as far as the field goes, I think there's a lot of political changes globally that are going to have to take place. Um, and I, I don't know if there's something severe enough that will cause that. Um, but it's going in a pretty dark direction right now, but I, I think we're going to start to hopefully steer away from that. And, Mm -hmm. um, cause change really is in the policy too. Yeah. I, I, I think in this country, a lot of public health-minded people are starting to steer things in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that a change in our domestic healthcare system is probably somewhere in the future, hopefully, a, a sweeping change in the next 30 or so years to hopefully expand to a universal-type system. But we'll see. There's there's a lot of issues right now 
abroad with other governments and other politics playing sure, into this sure. that are going to be a lot more impactful than just our country. So it's going to take a, a really big joint effort between a lot of different people and it's going to have to have everybody at the table instead of the big rich nations and organizations that are at the table making these decisions right now. So we'll see. I, there's a lot of good that will come in the next 20 years and yeah. I think I should clarify that I, I my I'm not as optimistic just because I myself get very overwhelmed. If you sit down and you think about all of the problems in the world, it's really easy to not be optimistic about it. But I think that we're having these conversations now and that um we are pushing toward a change like Grant said in the next 20 years. I'm optimistic for those changes to come, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done um, in order to make that change happen. I think maybe one more notion to squeeze in here is that, especially in our country um, and globally, there's finally starting to be more of a shift towards preventative care and preventative treatment rather than traditionally what it's been with just curative treatment. Yeah. um, Since that's been what's most reactionary. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Since that's been what's, most profitable in the past so um i we already have seen really great progress in a lot of issues and and really big prevalent diseases but um yeah hopefully hopefully that can become the norm and we can keep up with things like that and and uh especially help those who are suffering the most since that's who hasn't been getting any attention and who needs the attention in both our country and abroad so yeah, I yeah. think I think we have a lot of great future leaders and minds going into the field right now, which is, I guess, the last thing I'll say, the most exciting yeah. part. I agree. Is there any kind of events that people can look forward to with the club going on lately that you want to kind of plug? Um, Menstrual Health Week, which Zoe alluded to earlier, will be this spring. Uh, it will be an all-week event where we're doing a bunch of outreach and education and potentially even fundraising. Um, and we'll have guest speakers and we'll have interactive events and we'll have workshops and um, it will be really great. It's a great time to learn about something that's uh, not talked about really anywhere in the world in any healthcare system for the most part. You can learn about every aspect that goes into it, um, which is just women's health and society's health in general. So, Well, I think we'll sign off there. Um, uh, Zoe Grant, thank you again for for being on the podcast. Um, Welcome back anytime and I'll look forward to um, all the events you have coming on up. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Great. Thanks for having us. Of course. This was our third episode of season three of Spotlight on Science. Thanks again to Grant and Zoe for being our guests today. I'm Frank and Lewis.